Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, I want to talk about uh, a, a lot of different things uh, today, um, but hopefully it, we're just talking about one thing, but it, it's in a kind of a, a, a lot of different parts, and you'll see just all sorts of different streams of, of thoughts, um, uh, God willing, flowing together and connecting. And um, while this sort of talk was kind of, um, kind of, uh, I, I don't know what the verb would be, uh, <laughs> uh, coming down, let's say, um, I sort of flashed on the, the idea of like a map. Imagine like there's a map with like little um, small land masses and then like tons of rivers that are all intersecting. And I imagine myself, uh, you know, inside this map in a canoe, just kind of like rowing and just seeing where, wow, it's sort of like, here's where this stream and this stream converge. And here's where that stream and that stream converge. And I, I, I just sort of appreciated uh, additionally what it means to stay in Torah study because the more you learn Torah, the more different foundations that you have and the more that you sort of just continue to row down the, the, the rivers of, 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 of Torah, of, of, of wisdom, as God has revealed it, the more you see these like amazing sort of like um, uh, landscapes and, 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 and things like that. So, so that was my experience um, just on a kind of a, kind of a, a visceral level in terms of the material that we're about to cover. Because like I say, you'll, you'll see, uh, God willing, so many different um, streams of thought um, emerging. The, let me just sort of like um, introduce the various streams and then we'll, we'll, we'll start to get into them. Um, the, the, different, the different elements are primarily the relationship between um, Yosef Hatzadik um, and and Asaph, um, and this is a very this is a very primary um, uh, juxtaposition, because Asaph represents sort of like uh, a great Torah, Torah ideal. Remember, Yitzchak wanted to give the blessing to Asaph, and it didn't happen. But why did Yitzchak want to give the blessing to Asaph? Because Asaph represented in a very visceral way, sort of the super Jew, if you will. He was someone who um, at least uh, partially was, was someone who was a Talmud Chacham um, in that he, he, he really understood in a certain way many aspects of Torah, uh, particularly Kibbut Ave'em, but it just went as far as his head. It didn't get down into his body. And this is... Um, most sort of like potently symbolized by the fact that Esav's head is buried in Moras Hamach Pelah, the cave of the patriarchs, with Abraham and, and Yitzchak and, and Yaakov and, and, and Sarah and Rivka and, and Leah, but just his head, Esav's head, but not the rest of his body. Why? Because the Torah didn't go from his head into his body. Meaning to say he never integrated these teachings in a very real way. So, so what, what could Esav have been had he achieved this level of integration, being this amazing hunter, being this amazing person of the world, and at the same time, someone who plumbed the depths of Torah? What could he have been? And so, 
So amazingly, the answer is Yosef. He could have been Yosef. And I saw a teaching, and I haven't seen this really, well, I guess it's my own lack of learning, but I haven't seen this quoted any place since I ran across it maybe over 20 years ago, approximately. And I've never heard anyone quoted or anything like that. So I felt a little bit nervous about saying over this source because it's a very radical idea. Um, the idea is the following. But, but the happy ending is last night I found the source work. So I'm so happy. I asked a, a big Talmud Chacham and he answered immediately. He said, oh yeah, that's in the Medrash Tenchumen and the Zohar. I was like, all right. I was like, made my day. I was like, great. I can say this teaching with confidence. So here's the teaching. You ready? If Esav had married Leah, right? Remember that Yaakov was supposed to marry Rachel, Rachel, right? And then Esav, Yaakov's twin brother, was supposed to marry Rachel's sister, Leah. But Leah knew, like, what a Russia, what a wicked person Esav had become. And she literally cried her eyes out so that she wouldn't have to have that fate. And, and, and Hashem answered her prayers and sort of shifted the destinies and all these um, shidduch lines. And as a result, um, Yaakov marries both sisters. But the question is, what if Esav had been really who Esav could have been and he married Leah? What would have happened? And the answer is they would have had a child named Yosef. So Yosef was supposed to be the child of Esav and Leah. Now we're going to go into this more, more deeply because this in itself is a very phenomenal idea. So Yosef, remember, Yosef is actually that person who combines both of these streams. Because it says in the beginning of Parshas Vayeshev, it says, Ele Todos Yaakov Yosef. That's the beginning of the Pasuk. These are the chronicles of Jacob, meaning the, the lineage that comes out of Jacob. And so if you want to talk about the descendants of, of Jacob, why not begin with Reuven? That's his, that's his first son, right? Or his first child. So Ele Todos Yaakov, these are the generations, the genealogy of Yaakov. Not only doesn't it begin with Ruvain, it goes straight into Yosef and then doesn't mention anyone else. So Ele Todos Yaakov Yosef. And by the way, Yaakov Yosef is like a great name among Rebbe's, right? And you'll and I, I was once looking at both of those names, Yaakov and Yosef, and it's actually the same name. Um, it says, I'll tell you how in a second. It, it says that Yaakov gave over all the secrets of Torah to, to Yosef, right? And they learned together in the tent together. And he gave over everything to him. Now, who is the man of the tents? Remember, you have, in the beginning of Toldos, you have this great sort of contrast. You have the person who was inside the tents all the time. That was Yaakov. And then you have the person who was inside the field all the time. That was, that was Asaph, Right? But what about the holy integration of those two things? Well, you have Eli Toldos, Yaakov, Yosef. You have Yosef, who's inside the tents, getting all the secrets of Torah, all the depths of Torah from Yaakov. 
So Yosef is a man inside the tents, right? And then you have Yosef, who's mastering the greatest empire of the ancient world. Right? Not only navigating all the, who knows what, of the prison system of ancient Egypt, right? Because he's in prison for years and years and years and years, falsely accused. And then he rises up to the heights of power and manages to stay alive running ancient Egypt. So does that sound like a man of the field? That's a, that is the utmost man of the field. So here you have in Yosef the synthesis of like the ultimate of the ultimate Torah ideal, right? Now, it goes further than that. It goes further than that. Because the Navi Ovadia, the prophet Ovadia, says that Yosef is a flame and Esav is the straw. You know what that means? That means that Yosef is the one who's going to knock out Esav. He's the one who's going to destroy Esav. He is the antidote to Esav. He's not just the realization of Esav's potential, but he is like the, the one who just like knocks him out. And remember Esav, why do we want to knock out Esav? Because you have to know that all of these different um, iconic sort of paradigms all stand for many, many things. Esav stands for the Yetzirah. It also stands for Edom and the exile of Rome that we're still in now. So the idea of knocking out Esav is the idea of Mashiach coming, right? Now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it quickly, so let me just paraphrase the quote. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves, so let's just kind of try to proceed more systematically. So we have this idea of Yosef knocking out Esav. Now, I'll give you a very nice illustration of this. You know, while Yaakov is having all the tribes, right, all of his sons uh, and daughters with, um, with uh, Rachel and, and, and Leah and, and, and Bilhah and Zilpah at, in, with, at, 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 in, in Lovin's house, so he's, he's having a lot of kids, but at a certain point, he decides that he's going to leave, and when he leaves, it's to confront Esau, right? Because that's the next chapter. So he's having lots of kids. He can leave at any time. When does he leave to confront Esau? After he has Yosef. Very interesting, because once he's armed with Yosef, he's ready to confront Esau. So this is, this, is, this is yet another illustration of this. Now, now, let's get into it a little bit further. See, Esav represents this exile. He, he represents Western thought, and he represents not just the Roman exile, but he also represents Greek thought as well. We know that Greek and Roman thought um, sort of merge together in sort of this sort of classical, ancient, very sort of rationalistic view of the world, which still sort of defines um, Western society's approach to, to approaching life and approaching their understanding of reality to this day. So, so let's, look at, let's look at aspects of the depths of Yosef right now. 
the greatness of Yosef. And, and before we get into this, let me just pick up one, one thread that we dropped, which was showing you how Yaakov and Yosef is the same name, okay? So Yaakov is the, if you, re- if you it's, it's, it's really a name in two parts. It's Yud Akev. Akev means the heel, right? So Akev means the, not just the heel, but the lowest, the, the, the lowest part of you. And in fact, I'd, I'd illustrate it, um, but, but maybe I'll, I'll just uh, kind of illustrate it partially here. Imagine, um, imagine this is a door, right? And you're about to walk through a door. When you walk through a door, the last part of you that leaves the room is your heel. You can try that. It's, it's actually very cool, you know? And with that in mind, understand the depths of this. The end of days is referred to as Ikve de Meshiche, the heel of Mashiach, meaning to say that as we pass from one epoch into another epoch, right? The last aspect of the remaining epoch is the heel, so to speak, right? So, so Yaakov's name is Yud, from the Yudke Vavke, meaning the highest reaches, all the way down to the end, right? Now let's look at the name Yosef. Remember, because we say, Eli told us Yaakov Yosef. These are the generations of Yaakov, and he's giving everything over to Yosef. Yosef is, can also be split into two parts. The letter Yud, just like, just like um, Yaakov, so we're starting with the highest highest dimensions, right? And then if you rearrange the last three letters of Yosef's name, it spells Sof, which means the end. So just like Yaakov is Yud all the way down to the Ekev, to the heel, which is the end of days, we also have the Yud of Yosef going down to the Sof, which is also means end, means the end of days, right? Or from the top to the bottom. Now, now I told you that um, that that Asov represents this 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 approach, which we call Western Western civilization, which is largely based on on, on 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 Greek thought as well. Now the word for 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 Greece is Yavan, and Yavan is a really interesting word. Just um, aesthetically, it's a very aesthetic word, very beautiful word word. Um, because it's the letter, it's the letter Yud, which is a little straight line. Then it's the letter Vav, which is a longer straight line. And then it's the letter Nun Sofit, the final Nun, which is another long, even longer straight line. So it's line, longer line, longest line. And it almost has like a, um, I was trying to think like, what style is that? It's like Art Deco in a way, you know? You see that, that type of composition in Art Deco buildings and things. So it's, it's a very beautiful visual composition, and it represents Greece, which, you know, with its classical design and everything like that, it's appropriately reflected in Lush and Kodesh in the, in, the, in, the, in the pictogram of the word itself. Now, what's the problem? What's our, what's our problem with, with, with Greece? With, with, with the Greek ideal. Our problem is, 
is that we, we don't hold by the idea of beauty for beauty's sake. Like, for something... Like, I, I remember, you know, when I was growing up, I'd, I'd read certain things, and, and every once in a while, I'd, I'd come across this phrase, which, you know, is not a Torah idea, but um, people will write it, you know, which is, art is truth. So art, art is not truth. <laughs> art is art. Art is beautiful. Art is fantastic. I love art. But art is not truth. Beauty for its own sake is not truth. What you have to do is you have to take beauty and you have to harness beauty and direct it toward holiness. That's that you have to give it a foundation and then it, 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 it has its proper context in the world. So the tzaddik, the holy person, the righteous person, see tzaddik is such an interesting word because not only does it mean a holy person, but it's also a letter in the Hebrew alphabet, the letter tzaddik, right? So if you take Yavan, right, which we just said is, is beauty, is Greece, right? Those three lines, and you put the letter tzaddik in front of it, the holy person, it spells Tzion, which is Yerushalayim, right? Which is where heaven and earth come together, right? That's the big picture. That's greater context. That's holiness, but now let's take it to the next step because Zion is the gematria of Yosef, mm-hmm. right? Because Yosef is that individual. Remember, Yosef was one of the like most beautiful people that ever lived. I'm talking about physically, was one of the most beautiful people that ever lived. You know, they, 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 they talk about his beauty in different ways, but, but one detail that the Medrash illustrates is that when they had this parade and they paraded Yosef through Egypt, it said, you know, all like the women and everything like that were climbing walls in order to see them, but they still had to do their housework, right? So they were like peeling fruit or whatever it was, and they were peeling their own fingers. <laughs> right? They were so mesmerized by his his personal beauty that they were just like, like just cutting themselves and not even realizing it. So, so Yosef, now again in contrast to Esau, Yosef is that person who is able to integrate his physicality with his morality. His head with his body. An amazing thing. Sion right, is Yosef. And I'll tell you another amazing relationship between Yosef and Siam. You know, one thing just from my own life, I'll just tell you, uh, at, at one point we were thinking of just, uh, because my, my, my wife had uh, a, a grandfather, his name was Yosef, so we were thinking, okay, we'll, we'll name a kid Yosef. Um, and uh, didn't happen for whatever reason, but I was thinking, okay, I want to give him a second name. So I was thinking, and I don't, I never heard this name before. I was thinking, you know what would be a great name to go with Yosef? Sion. I don't know why I came up with that. And then I was so happy to find out that it was the same gematria, you know? I was like, wow, you know? So, so anyway, when Yosef was alive and in Egypt, he was the only Jew in exile. And I heard from Reb Shlomo more than once that the way we have the ability to this day to survive as Jews in exile is because of Yosef. 
because Yosef remained a Jew in exile, we're able to be Jews in exile to this day. But now think of it even more deeply than that. That because Yosef's name is also Tzion, even when he was outside of Israel, in essence, he was still connected to the land, right? Because his name is Tzion, right? He had that lifeline, that lifeline to the land, even when he was outside of the land. Not only that, but remember, when Yaakov Avinu dies, although we say he never died, right? Low mace, but when he, when he's physically speaking, he, he left the world. He was buried in Mor Samach Pelah. When Yosef is Nifter in Egypt, what does he say? He doesn't say, take my body to Mor Samach Pelah. He says, let me stay, keep my bones with you because a Redeemer is going to come and then take me out with you to Israel. Right? So look how the, even like in his bones he was Israel. In his bones, Yosef would see him. And he's giving the Jews the strength till the end of the Egyptian exile, right? To get back to the land. That connection, Yosef and Sion. But remember, Yosef is also the antidote to Asaf. And if you look in the prayers, and again, this is what I wanted to um, sort of like uh, just paraphrase. Right at the end of, when we sing Az Yashir, at the end of um, Pesuke de Zimra, in the, in the prayers, there's like a little paragraph just before Yishtabach. And one of, the, one of the Pesukim, one of the verses that we say, is that basically the, the leaders um, of the Jewish people are going to come from Har Sion, and they're going to go and wipe out Har Esav. Now, when you know now that Sion is the gematria of Yosef, now you see this other connection between the strength, the kleichas, the power of Yosef coming to knock off Esav. Right? We say it every day. But you have to know that, 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 uh, that connection to see that. Okay. So now, now that we see that Yosef became what Esav could have become, right? It came to me, what if we take the gematria of Esav and the gematria of Yosef and subtract them? Now we can see the difference between Yosef and Esav. <laughs> right? That, that was my thought, right? So I looked it up, I took the gematria of Esav and I subtracted the gematria of Yosef and you know what it is? It's the gematria. It's 220 is the difference. And it's the gematria of the word tahor, which means pure. So Yosef, Yosef is, is, is pure, right? Yosef, because Yosef is completely integrated, because Yosef is one thing. See, Esav is that war, that head against the body, Right? Yosef is one thing. Now, let's see, let's, let's go further into this. We always read about Yosef during Hanukkah. Like every year, when it's Hanukkah time, we're reading about Yosef. And this word tahor, 
which is which is the difference between Yosef and uh, and Esav. What was the whole miracle of, ya- of Hanukkah? Finding oil that was what? Tahor. Tahor. And then what did we do with it? We lit the menorah, which was made out of gold. And what does the, the Torah say that that menorah has to be made out of? Gold that is Tahor. And then what happens when we put that oil in the menorah? We get a flame. And we're always reading about Yosef during this time. And what did we say the Novi Ovadia, the prophet Ovadia said? That Yosef is a flame that burns Asaph. And who did we battle during Hanukkah? The descendants of Asaph. Right? So amazing. Like if you're in the canoe with me right now, <laughs> you're in a place right now where a lot of streams are coming together, you know? <laughs> But let's go, let's go further, because, because I want to show you on another level. Let's now approach this from a different angle, okay? But it's all the same thought. Let's approach Asaph again, re-approach Asaph. You see, there's a, Asaph is spelled Ayin Shin Vav. And there's a lot of Torah on the interrelationship between the letters Aleph, and ayin. Now, the reason is because both of them are silent letters. But they, there are two very different forms of silence. And in fact, these two letters, even though they have this great thing in common that they're both silent, they're also in many ways polar opposites. So, how so? Because Aleph stands for, is, is the first letter of the Aleph base, and therefore it stands for the oneness of God. And everybody knows that if you break down the letter Aleph, it's actually composed of three letters, two yuds and a vav, which is the number 26, which is the gematria, the holiest name of God, yud ke vav ke. So the letter Aleph really is, is very holy. It stands for Hashem, Kaviyoch. The letter Ayin is, is very different. The letter Ayin stands for multiplicity. Ayin is not just a letter in the Aleph base, but it's also a word, and it means I. And with your I, you see, like, all sorts of disparateness, all sorts of separateness, right? Ayin is also the gematria 70, and we talk about the 70 nations. So really, Ayin represents division, whereas Aleph represents unity. And one of the prayers that we say, before we say Shema, and we're going to get to Shema in a moment, before we say Shema, we say the words, Vaha'erinenu, which means, God, enlighten our eyes. And if you look at the word enlighten, Vaha'erinenu, that er is, is, a, is a variant of or. So the word for light begins with the letter Aleph. Right? That's, that's or, that's light, that's the true light. Enlighten our eyes. Our eyes are the ayin. So when we say vaha'erinenu, what we're saying is, please God, turn the ayin of my eyes into an aleph. Let me just see oneness instead of separateness. Right? So now, Asaph, isn't it appropriate that Asaph, of all the letters to begin his name, 
would start with the letter Ayin. Because Esav had very big eyes, right? Said that he murdered and he raped and he stole and he did all sorts of stuff, right? He was really like big eyes, big eyes, really seeing the world, you know? Now, I was thinking, you know, every, every letter in the Torah has a big version and a small version. So where do you think of all places the big ayin in the Torah would be, right? Which represents really like the big eye, like really seeing like the world and separateness. Where's the magnification of separateness? So isn't it interesting that it's in the Shema, right? That it's the, you find the big ayin in the Torah, it's the last letter of the word Shema. Now, why would the big ayin be in Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad? Because the declaration, what is Shema? It's the declaration of the unity and the oneness of God. In other words, it's surrounding this big ayin, and it's telling you, it's taking, it's taking the, the epicenter of it, the headquarters of this big ayin energy, where you can see division and separateness, and it's telling you, no, 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 it's all enwrapped in the oneness of God. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Now, there's something that always perplexed me slightly. And I just saw just a beautiful, simple explanation for it. Direct, simple, beautiful explanation for Rav, from Rav Yitzhak Isaac Chaver in the Or Torah. You see, it says, after we ate from the eight sadas, after we ate from the tree of knowledge, our eyes were opened, and then Adam and Chava saw each other's nakedness, and then they were embarrassed. Right? So, normally speaking, um, in today's modern parlance, when we talk about, you, you opened my eyes. Right? Now I see. Right? But the opening of one's eyes usually means something very positive, right? Like you open my eyes to the truth, right? But, but Rav Yitzhak Isaac Chaver says very clearly, what does it mean after they ate from the tree of knowledge, their eyes were opened? Their eyes were opened to materiality. Their eyes were opened to physicality. That's what their eyes were opened to. In other words, they saw before the light of Hashem on the letter Aleph, right? They saw the true light. And now all of a sudden, the ayin aspect of their eyes were opened to materiality and to separateness. And now they saw the outside of each other instead of the inside of each other. So, so again, how appropriate it is that Esav should begin with the letter Ayin. Okay? Now we have to understand something about each one of ourselves. Okay? Which is the following. Every single one of us is born with certain desires that we have to overcome. This one likes to lie. This one likes to steal. This one likes to run around. Right? All of us, this God does this on purpose. This is, this is how we understand the world. This is one of our base assumptions of reality. 
we're not born perfect and then we just have to make sure that we don't mess it up. That's not the Torah of Yim. We're born with baggage and we have to refine it and we have to confront it and do the best we can. All of us rise and fall and we, we just do the best we can. That's, that's all it is. Okay? So what is our problem philosophically with Esav? Why, why are we so mad at Esav? See, Esav comes from the word Asui. Asui means made. You see, Esav was born, it's a very weird detail, but the Torah brings it. Esav was a hairy baby, right? Like normally speaking, babies aren't hairy, but it says that he was hairy like a man. He was born hairy like a man. So, so they called him Esav, which comes from this word Asui, which means mate. Now, on a more philosophical level, what this, is, what this means is, Esav considered himself from the outset a finished product. See, and, and this is antithetical to the Torah approach to life. Considering yourself a finished product, like, hey, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I do. You don't like it? That's your problem. Well, maybe it's your problem. <laughs> maybe it's my problem. Maybe, maybe I have to do something about it. And that's the idea, is that each one of us is born with certain issues that we have to grapple with. So, so that, in a way, is good news and it's bad news. The good news of it is, is that if you have issues... Welcome to the club called humanity. You know what I mean? We all have issues. We're given them deliberately. We're given the issues to overcome the issues. So don't think that there's something like, wow, am I so crazy? Why is this? Why am I like blowing it again on this? Why am I? Ah, no. That, that is, you, all of us are grappling with something. And, and even more, if we're not grappling with it, that's, that's an even bigger problem. You know, someone told me the other day, he, see, he, said, he said to me, you know, he's, he's, he's really growing in, in terms of Torah observance and everything like that, and he's wrestling with the idea, well, you know, I eat, right now I go to non-kosher restaurants still, but I, I only eat fish at the non-kosher restaurants, and I'm wondering, should I wear my kippah, or, but, but that might be a problem because it's a, you're wearing a kippah in an unkosher restaurant, but maybe wear a hat, but then I'd rather wear a kippah, but then there's issues with that. And, but maybe I shouldn't even be in the non-kosher restaurant eating the fish and everything like that. And he kind of looked to me for, like, what should I do, you know? Or at least that's what I thought was going on. And I could only think one thing. I said, you know, it's so great that you're even grappling with this, you know? And then the light turned green and I said bye. <laughs> you, know? you know, it's like, it's, you know, just to be in the struggle is a beautiful thing. Because that means that you're engaging. Remember, what does the word Yisrael, the name Yisrael means? It means to wrestle with God. That means you're taking these issues seriously, whatever it is, and then you're trying to do the best you can. So Esav was blessed with the imperfection of thinking that he's a finished product, right? So what's his job? His job is to 
transform the ion of Asif, I would like to suggest, this is me talking now, into the Aleph of Asif, right? Because it's still going to spell Asif, right? But to transform and to elevate that ion into an Aleph, right? Like we say in Shema, Shema is all about the, right? Shema is all about the big ion surrounded by the greater truth, which is the oneness of God, right? Now listen to this. What do we do when we say Shema? You close your eyes. You close your ayin, right? You close your eyes, and then you tap into what? The oneness that informs everything, right? Because you're just shutting out this this curtain, this illusion, if you will, of separateness by closing your ayin, Ainayim, right? And you're tapping into what? The Allah. Now, now we're going to go further into this. You see, just, just so you know that, that this is real stuff that we're talking about, transforming the ayin into Aleph, what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm basing this on, is that there's a teaching I heard in the name of the Ari, which says the following. When we... Eight from the eight sadas. Eights is spelled ayin sadi. Now, isn't it interesting? Who who is who's the who did we say is the who do we say is the tzaddik, right? Right, Yosef had tzaddik, right? That's just just and the ayin we have Asa, we have them right next to each other, right? But anyway, like it all goes south, so to speak, when we eat from the eight sadas the tree of knowledge. Now, I heard in the name of the Ari that what our work is, is to turn the ayin of eights into an, the aleph of eights. Now, there's no such word as aleph tzadi, spelling tree. But he's talking on a spiritual level to transform the ayin of eights because when we eat from the eights adas, all of a sudden, our eyes become open to what? physicality, right? We want to restore the vision of oneness in the world. So, so we go back to the headquarters, which is the eight sadas, and we want to turn that ayin into an aleph. Now what happens when we turn the ayin of eights into an aleph? It becomes the gematria 91. Now 91, you know, is one of these hallmark gematria numbers, because 91 is the combination of two primary names of Hashem, Yudke Vavke and Aleph Dalad Nun and Yud. Well they say Agnus, right? But 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 these two names of God stand for heaven and earth. The infinite and the finite. God master of all. When you combine them together, then you have got a fuller picture or a more holistic Shalom Dick version of God in this number 91. So again, the rectification of the tree of knowledge is turning the ayin of eights into an aleph. Then we get this heaven and earth combined and not fractured, not this illusion of separateness, which happens from eating from the tree of knowledge. Are you with me? Are we following that? I hope. Okay. So now, I thought to myself, what would happen, what would have happened if Asaph succeeded in overcoming this challenge 
that he was birthed with, right? Of thinking of himself as a finished product, right? And overcoming this, grappling with it, and turning the iron of Esav into an olive of Esav. What would the gematria of that be? <laughs> so I looked into that, right? Like, so all of a sudden, Esav would become the gematria 307, right? Because it would become not Ayan Shinvav, it would become Aleph Shinvav, which is 307. So I found some amazing gematrias for this, right? So, actually I had like a really cool moment yesterday. Um, I got out this gematria book, and you see that little bookmark in there? So it was, when I took it off the shelf, it was right there, and it was right on the number 307. <laughs> so it was just kind of, just waiting for me, you know? <laughs> I was like, all right. Um, so, 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 so listen to this. This one, there, there are a few. I'll just I'll read you a, a few. This one, I think, is, 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 is pretty interesting, because we've uh, set it up already. What, what, what would you want it to say? Let's just, let's just take a step back. What would you want it to say? You'd want it to, to, you'd want it to be the gematria of tshuva, basically. Right? Because it shows him refining himself and becoming who he could be. You would want the asav to spell out the word tshuva with an aleph. Right? So, so it's the gematria of hashev which means to return, and that's the root of the word tshuva. But let's look at the context where you see th- that word in the Torah. So in uh, Shmos, in Exodus 23.4, you have this Pasuk. Um, if you come across your enemy's ox or donkey going astray, bring it back to him, restore it to him, return it to him. Now, I don't know if you just picked up on that, but there was a, there was a bombshell in there. When Yaakov Avinu in Vayechi gives bruchas to all the 12 tribes, each one is likened to a different animal. Now, what did we say in the name of the Medrash Tanchuma and the Zohar earlier? That Esav, had he been on the level, right, would have had who as a child? Yosef, right? Do you know what... Yaakov Avinu calls Yosef in the bruchas an ox. And you know what the gematria of Esav is with an olive? If he had turned his iron into an olive, it says, if you come across your enemy's ox, right? Your Yetzirah is your enemy. Your enemy's ox, bring it back to him. Meaning to say, had he achieved that level, he would have had Yosef. He would have had the ox Yosef brought back to him. He would have been able to be the father of that child. Okay. Esav really starts to go down and down when he sells his birthright to, to Yaakov. If you look at um, the, the, the Rashis over there, um, uh, one of the points that uh, Esav and Yaakov discuss is Esav is like, why, why do I need this at all? You know, and so the birthright. And, 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 and Yaakov tells him, well, you know, the firstborn, and this is how it was before Harsinai, before we got the term on Sinai, the firstborn of every family was a Kohen. Right? So you were a Kohen. 
So he, he had the status of the Kohen of the family, Esau. So that means that he would have brought the sacrifices. And, but Yaakov says, you know, but you have to bring them in a proper way. You can't be drunk and things like that. Otherwise, it's a capital offense. And so Esau is like, oh, you know, what do I need that for? So Esau with an Aleph is the gematria of... Uh, Uh, here, uh, there, there's so many variants of it. I, I just want to find the one that. Uh, uh, well, it's hakarev. Um, but but uh, is there even even a, a stronger one? That, yeah, yeah. Here it is. He creve. He creve means to present a korban. <laughs> so, in other words, had he maintained his status of the firstborn. He would have been the one to have brought the korban, which is again the gematria of Esav with an aleph. If he had been who he was meant to be, he would have stayed in his role as the kohen of the family and been the one to bring the korban. Um, there's there's another one, which is which is uh, which is um, hashev. Again, that's this level of tshuva, but the context in the Torah is really interesting because it said that Esav committed rape. And the, the context of Hashem to return in, 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 in that instance is it's talking about Hashem tells Avimelech, return Sarah to her husband Avraham because otherwise what you're doing is going to be rape. So, so again... Again, it's, it's all the rectifications of what he could have been are all singled out in the gematrias of his name in this transformed way. So, so getting back to us. So what's our job? Our job is to really harness beauty and to give it a foundation. So for the whole world to see the beauty of the world in this integrated way. See, I always think that it's very interesting that if you study science and things like that, it talks about the time-space continuum. But if you look at Torah, the Sefer Yetzirah says that all of reality can be boiled down to three fundamental components, time, space, and soul. Right? Our vision of the world incorporates soul as one of the fundamental elements of everything. And so this is our job, to find the beauty of the world and to integrate it with, with the Torah in a beautiful way, in the way that it's, it's beautiful in the eyes of, of all of us around, of all of us to see. Um... And uh, and maybe maybe just the greatest way to do that is is how Yosef himself did it. And we'll just end with this thought. One of my favorite, 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 favorite talk uh, thoughts. I wish I can tell you who I learned it from. I don't know. You see, 
maybe you could say, well, I'm not an artist, you know, I don't, I don't paint or I don't make movies or I don't write or whatever it is. So how am I supposed to harness beauty like and show the, the godliness of beauty, right? And just integrate body and soul and all the rest. How am I supposed to do that, you know? So I think that the way that we do that is through um, being sensitive to one another and by loving each other and by acts of kindness. I think that's how we open our eyes to beauty and holiness in the world and open each other's eyes to beautiness and holiness in the world. Because anything that you can do that makes someone else just see something larger at work. Have you ever heard, like people, you, you hear these quotes all the time. And then this guy did this thing for me and it restored my faith in humanity, right? Have you ever heard that, right? People say that all the time. So what is that? Let's break that down in terms of the language that we've been using up until now. Through kindness and love, you open someone's eyes up to the Aleph, and they transcend the ayin. In other words, you, through kindness and acts of love, are able to make someone see beyond the mere physicality of the world and understand that there's another dimension going on, which they then see integrated before them, which they were alienated from before. So Yosef, again, is the man who does this. And this is such an empowering thought because it shows you that just two individuals together can save the entire world. That you don't need cash, you don't need celebrity, you don't need connections, you don't need anything. All you need to do is to be a loving person and you literally can save the entire world. So where do we see this? So Yosef is in prison, right? And, you know, you can imagine you're in, in an Egyptian prison for, I don't know how many years, for 10 years at that point or something? Something like that? Like... I can't, you can't even imagine the depths of decrepitude, what that must have been. And this is Yosef Atzadik. This is like, like you know, like the, one of the greatest people ever. Let's just take a moment to appreciate the fact that the, in the Ushpizen, right, in, in our sukkah, we've got um, Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe and Aaron, King David. But what about the children of Yaakov? Yosef, period. What about Yehuda? Right? Mashiach comes from Yehuda. Well, we've got King David. Yehuda didn't make it. Not to chas v'shalom impugn the greatness of Yehuda. But it's Yosef. Yosef is the only one that's there. So the greatness of Yosef. So Yosef sees one of the prisoners who looks upset. He doesn't even say anything. He just has an upset look on his face. Now, you know, it's very easy to say, you know what, I love you, brother, but I got my own problems. You're just going to have to work it out, right? If anyone probably could have had the right to say it, it would have been Yosef, you know, being, you know, one of the greatest people ever to ever exist, falsely accused, and put in an Egyptian prison for a decade, right? I mean, you would imagine that he has the right to say, you know what, I got a lot on my mind. You, you take care of your thing. 
he sees someone who has an upset look on his face, walks up to him and says, are you okay? What's the matter? Everything going okay? So now what happens from that? He tells him this disturbing dream that he had. And then, based on that, he gives him an interpretation, and then his friend chimes in with his dream, and he gives him an interpretation. The next thing you know, Yosef has this reputation of being a master dream interpreter. Then Paro gets his dream interpreted. Then the next thing you know, Yosef is running all of ancient Egypt and saving the world from worldwide starvation. So there's a direct chain of events where literally Yosef is saving the world from starvation, literally, based on one action. He saw someone who looked upset and said, hey, everything okay? Right? (laughs) How God runs the world, really. How God runs the world, really. What, a, what an insight. What an insight. And what a karate chop to like, you know, present society with its cult of celebrity, which is trying to knock you down every single moment and make you feel worthless if you're not on the cover of one thing or another. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. All lies. All lies. So Hashem should bless us, really. Remember, Aleph means one. And one of the great gematrias is that Ava, which means love, is also the gematria Echad, one. And if we can just really love one another, we can open each other's eyes up to the oneness of God. And we can really, God willing, See the completion of the world. Amen. Amen. Amen.